All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hi, I'm Brad Marsh, Philadelphia Flyers, and you're listening to Nasty Knuckles. You're listening to Nasty Knuckles. The Hockey Outlaws Podcast with your hosts, Terry Nasty Sotomayor and former Philadelphia Flyer Enforcer, Riley Cote, as they go behind the scenes with your favorite NHL players. Time to face off. Welcome back. What is happening, Nasty? What's up, Riggs? I don't like this, us being apart, man. I don't I don't feel right. I know. It's what happens when we get ahead of the game and pre-record yeah, these uh, episodes, and then we got to do the pre and post. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, you're right. That's all, all right. Good, all good, though. First world problems, I guess, right? Yep. Yeah, it could be worse, right? Absolutely. What's going on in your world? You at the game last night? Yeah, man. Went to see the Blues play. I got to say, man, they're... Uh, they're a good hockey team, man. They yeah. are big and fast, and they move the puck so quick. Um, boys played really – I mean, boys played hard, man. They were in the game till the end, you know, empty netter, uh, maybe yeah. two empty netters. But, uh, you know, the, the Blues kind of dominated the game, but, you know, I had to give credit to the to the Flyers because they played hard. They never stopped. They tied it up. Of course, the, the trend lately, unfortunately, has been we score a goal, and, you know, like within a minute – Yeah. We let one in, so it just it just sucks because they worked there. They worked hard. They've been working hard, but um, it was it was nice to see. You got to see Chief real quick, Jimmy Montgomery, who was a guest earlier, and then right. of course uh, another uh, former guest, uh, former Flyer, Braden Shen. 
Uh, he's just, he's one of the greatest guys, man. He came over, saw LV during warm up, gave him a stick, signed it, top told him, titty. uh, just to keep going top titty, uh, as he was the one that first said that to Elvis. That's, That's why nasty. he says that all the time, but, oh, um, yeah. it was, it was, it was fun night. Elvis had a blast and, uh, just sucked. They dropped their sixth in a row here. Oh my God. I know it's the same trend, you know, they, they bang out a couple wins and they're back on the wagon of losing uh consistently it's just yeah uh, it's it's, uh, it, it's it's frustrating but you know it's nice to see like especially being there live and even the games we've watched on tv they're they're battling i mean they're doing what they can you know yeah. they're in the game it's not like they're getting blown out well exactly yeah they were in the game i mean they, they limited the shots um again uh, i think jonesy played a pretty strong game and, he did yeah and um I think the biggest lesson is like you, you, once you you score and you and you tie it up, obviously you, that bounce back shift needs to be strong. You can't, especially in the third period. I mean, it's yeah, back from, yeah. From high school. It was so. it was funny. We were trying to get out of there a little bit early, and uh, we walked over, said hey to uh, how he's got the steal, yeah. and uh, Al and uh, saw them real quick, and they scored. Oscar scored. Elvis did a little dance. And we literally walked out the side door and as we're walking around, I saw one of the TVs in, in St. Louis had scored like literally within a minute. So I was like, oh man, because yeah. LV wanted to see some overtime, some three on three and oh, yeah. maybe a shootout. But um, like you said, man, they're working hard. It's just nothing seems to go their way right now. Yeah. Tough times in Flyerland, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It just seems ultra repetitive. Uh, obviously for the for the fans and the, i feel like for for nasty knuckles here every time we're talking it's just like yeah the, sa- the same old shit but Ma- imagine the guys feeling oh i, I mean it's just you just see the frustration and but I, i'm glad that they're playing hard man yeah it's the most important, i mean they're they're battling really hard so and a quick shout out to jerry mayhew this this kid's on fire right now uh you know, he had scored three in the last two games, but I think he's, he's scored six goals here. Um, definitely a career high, I believe, for him in the NHL anyway. But um, he's a little fellow, but he buzzes around, man, and uh, makes shit happen. So good for him. You know, he's getting a chance, and, you know, he's he, he's playing hard and making yeah. a bit of a difference, you know. Like, he's we haven't won a game in six games, but like I said, they're right there. So hopefully – these, these close games start falling our way at least to get some, you know, mental mental health, you yeah. know, where you're not losing every game because it's it's frustrating. Yeah, it is the truth. Well, we will see, I guess, you know, yep. game yep. Saturday and uh, see if they can get back on the winning ways. No no slouch coming in uh, Saturday with Washington Capitals yeah, again. Yeah, so That's but, the uh, truth. No easy games here. No. But uh, I think we're ready to rock episode 63, Nast. Oh, yeah. Presented to you by Cureleaf, your premier marijuana dispensary in Pennsylvania, 14 locations. An awesome supporter for anybody interested in learning more about the medical marijuana program in Pennsylvania. Check out Cureleaf.com. And episode 63 with our man, Brad Marsh, Nast. Marshy. Let's go. Let's go. Welcome back. I'm Riley Cote. And I'm Derek Suttlemeyer. And this week, we are so happy to have an absolute Flyers legend drafted 
number 11th overall in 1978 by the Atlanta Flames. Um, Mr. Brad Marsh, how's it going? Doing great. <laughs> Doing great. Jeez, that's a long time ago. <laughs> I know. I know. Leaving Canada and the snow going down to the sunny south. I didn't know what the hell to expect. Oh, man. And you guys ended up there two, two years, right? You were there two and then on yeah. to Calgary. But Yeah, I was there two years uh, and the whole franchise, puck sticks, everything Every- was sold to Calgary and uh I must admit, it was pretty cool to be back on Canadian soil where hockey is number right. one. Because right. in Atlanta, uh, well, as you guys know, they've had two failed franchises. And they both, they, they, that's the joke, they lost both franchises to a little town in western <laughs> Western Canada. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, uh, we weren't the top story in Atlanta. We weren't the second, we weren't the third, we weren't the fourth. And uh uh, but we had great fan support there. We just didn't have corporate support. And uh, so, hey, the team was sold, and we went to Calgary, and we were the toast of the town. Was yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, awesome. yeah I was going to say. And, and uh, real quick, did, did you guys play in the Omni? The Omni, yes. Yeah, the okay. Omni's not there anymore. Uh, right, yeah. right. I just, yeah. as a kid growing up, yeah, I was I was I was seven when you yeah. were drafted. Yeah. <laughs> so I hate to cut that out, Baller. Cut that out. But, yeah. no, um, really, I, really we had age. the TBS channel. And so I would catch I, – I love a basketball guy, so Atlanta Hawks, I really liked them because I could see all their games, and they played in the Omni. So I never got to go to the Omni, but yeah. I, I thought yeah, that's where you guys played. Yeah. It was a cool building, and uh, like I said, the fans were, were, were great. They were loud. They cheered everything because they didn't know anything. Right. Okay, so it yep. was really good because you have a bad game, they still thought you were great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. How are you skating those itty-bitty things? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> So anyhow, they were loud, they were boisterous, but we had a pretty good team, if you remember, or if you go back and you look at the, the stats of those Atlanta Flames team. But we never won in the playoffs. We oh. never won a round of playoff hockey. And it doesn't matter what sport you're in. If, if you don't have success in the playoffs, yeah. the fans tune you out pretty darn quick. Right. 100%. And that's what happened in Atlanta. We lost uh, yet again. We, we lost uh, to the uh, my first year there. We lost to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And that was back when it was the first round was two out of three. Oh, and man. that is a crapshoot, two yeah, out of I three. Was say. And then the next year went to three out of five, and we lost to the Rangers. And uh, as the story goes, that's when Nelson Scalbania from Canada walked in and says, I want to buy your team. Hmm. And to the owner of the Flames, this is not for sale, so on and so on, back and forth. And at the end of the day, he ended up buying the team. And. Uh, for $16 million from what, I, not that I know, but that's what right. it reported in the paper. $16 million wow. for a for pretty good hockey team. Yeah, Riggs, you could have wrote a check. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you should see if any yeah. teams are available now. Know, yeah. Right. Good so, grief. Good investment. Anyhow, two years, awesome. two years in Atlanta. It was a lot of fun. Um, and then away we went to Calgary. Yeah. yeah and you just come out of junior, right? I mean, you, you were fresh and fresh and played 80 games, I believe that. For yeah. First so year. if you remember, uh, well, you guys wouldn't remember, but the draft was a 20 year old draft back then. Oh, and I didn't know that. It makes a huge difference. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Two yeah. years that. makes a huge difference. And back when I was drafted, and, you know, there were 16 teams at the time, um, you were pretty much expected to play. Your first round pick, you were expected to play, unless you got drafted to Montreal in the 70s. Right. Your career was <laughs> right. <over. laughs> yeah. Especially your defenseman. Yeah. You know. Maybe you're 30, kid. You know, they had Robinson, uh, 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 Larry Robinson, Serge Savard, and uh, Guy Lapointe. And basically, you know, they. They log all these all the minutes. minutes. Pronger now type minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The three of them played the whole game. They just rotated through. And, oh, uh, 
So anyhow, uh, you were expected to play, but you're a young man at 20 years old. They knew what they were getting. Now, you know, some of these guys getting drafted, I don't know what the age or the cutoff date is, but some of them have just turned 18. Right. right. And, and some of them, they're really not the star player on their junior team, and so they're drafting potential. Right. And so a lot of times it, it, you really are throwing a dart at the dartboard. And, uh, but I think from a maturity standpoint, and 17, 18-year-old kid has a lot of growing up to do than a 20-year-old. They've already been through the ups and downs and the topsy-turvies and all that kind of stuff. So I was yeah. 20, and uh, Atlanta needed defensemen, so it was a great scenario for me. Yeah, yeah right. Awesome. I didn't. I did not know that about a uh, 20-year-old draft. Well, I didn't know that either. Yeah. Um, I, I actually kind of, now that I'm thinking about it, I kind of like that in a sense where, especially as management, you can kind of see the, the physical maturity You know, in two years is a lot, right? I yes. Mean, the, the, but then that being said, there's some high-end skill guys that you can, yeah. you can play at 18, play right? I mean, it's and that's like what happened. A couple guys, Kenny Linsman being one of them, the WHA had just started then, and they were signing a lot of the, the 18 and 19-year-olds. Yeah, right. So the NHL, well, we don't want to lose these star yeah, players. They right. dropped it down. But it a couple sense. of the star players did challenge the draft yeah. rule. Um, you know, so uh, anyhow, I think they could twig it a little bit. Um, I, I personally, I think it's like you draft an 18-year-old kid, uh, especially in the first round, and he's not quite good enough or mature enough, strong enough, whatever stamp you want to put on him to make the big team. Right. But he's also a little too good to go back yeah. and play yet another year of junior. Maybe he, has an eight, he can play his second last year junior, but I think they could change it at the kid in the last year junior. If he was good enough, he could play some American. Play in America. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I've got away from what exactly the rules are and ups and downs, like with all the contract, all yeah. the CBA negotiations. And yeah, they yeah. talked about that for, for some time, like yeah. first and second rounders playing the American League, you know, like having yeah. to go back to junior. But I don't know why they never. Because yeah. the junior owners. Well, of course, because, right. Yeah. You know, they're like, hey, I got a full house here. Yeah, yeah I know. But, uh, That's a good point. That's a business. It's, it's, it's a business though, it's now, a, too, yeah. really. Oh, of course, yeah. Junior hockey. Yeah, junior hockey, man. Yeah. Yeah, the London Knights wouldn't want any of their, their guys <laughs> n- n- not coming back. You yeah, know, fill that place yeah. up. That's my team. That's yeah, your I know team. It I was going to say. I said I it. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> right. The boys have done a, a great job there. Yeah. A real good job. And and the city finally got off their wallets and, and built a new rink. Yes. Um, and you've been there because yep. the Flyers. A few times, yeah. Uh, Spectacor, they, they managed the facility. Right. And so they always used to play an exhibition game there, yep. which was cool. Yeah, it was. And... Um, and so they finally built because the old rink was uh, out of town. Okay. And it was an old barn, Treasure Island Gardens, which as a kid growing up there, as you know, what is the thrill the first time you got to play there. Yeah. But anyhow, they finally built the rink downtown in, in London, and the Hunters have just done a tremendous yeah. job there. Yeah, they have. Yeah, it's quite Seems dead. like they're always in the mix. Yeah, right. Yeah, they exactly. seem to get the best players at the deadline, you know, yeah, the, whatever the it Yankees is. Of the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Yankees of the OHL. Yeah, the Yankees of the OHL, it's yeah. true. Oh yeah, they man, do, they do a good job. So, Marshy, uh, tell us what you're up to now. We we know uh, we're, we're uh, big supporters of what you're doing and and all the guys, but uh, tell us uh, what's going on. Well, there's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, <laughs> yeah. Where, where do we start? You're, you're pretty busy, man. Yeah. yeah. So, anyhow, uh, with the Flyers alumni, Flyers alumni. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and my jacket in the car, which I don't need. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's yeah, Flyers yeah. alumni. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, so between the Flyers alumni wardrobe and the 
uh, Flyers Warriors wardrobe. Uh, I don't have many other clothes, for heaven's <laughs> sakes. But no, our alumni, as you know, and as as Riley knows, and I think all your listeners knows, we're we're, we're very active, but we're very proactive, and so we don't wait and let for things or events or things that come to us. We're, we're, we're proactive. We think of things to do. Uh, we see things that are missing or needed in the community, and, we, and we're and we on it, and we do it. And we have a few, a number of signature events that we raise a lot of money. And uh, I like to tell people we raise a lot of money, and then we give it all away, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. Uh, which is neat. Which is, and, yeah. And, uh, you know, a couple, you know, we three years ago, we started a 12 Days of Christmas Giving campaign where, you know, we, we find or locate um, lesser-known lesser known charities. I mean, Children's Hospital, they get all kinds of money, and Cancer right. and Heart, all great charities, but they got a lot of money, a lot of corporations, but there's so many, especially through COVID the last two years, yeah. there's a lot of smaller charities that were hurting. So anyhow, we identified various charities and, you know, 12 days of Christmas giving, and so 12 days leading up to Christmas, uh, we're giving smaller groups or smaller char- charitable uh, groups, you know, anywhere from, you know, 1500 bucks to 5000 bucks, and then we put it on our website, and then we promote, they get a little more, uh, a few more donations because of the promotion through our website, and, and we're, we're not very good at math, you know, we call it 12, <laughs> 12 days of Christmas giving, and it's usually 13, 14, yeah, right. I think today we gave we we did sixteen different yeah. uh, handouts or, or 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 donations and so like that's cool yeah and uh, and well, I know we'll get into the warriors later but one of the neatest things that we started is uh, every child deserves a bike and uh, I went to uh, a charitable event uh, and they gave a bike away the charity was Help Hope Live and uh, they help. Uh, families that you know were maybe in a car accident or they've uh, a spine injury or something like that and they'll help them renovate their house or buy a van or they, they, uh, they do so many great things for families that need help uh, you know if you're in a wheelchair you have to lower your cabinets you know right. you can't. yeah True, so man. so anyhow this event that I went to with them um, they gave a bike to uh, to uh, a disabled child and uh, um, it was an adaptive bike it was built specifically for that child I'm trying to think he might have had spinal bifida or muscular dystrophy or something but he'd never ridden a bike and so the bike that they actually purchased for this child was uh, his pedals were with his hands because oh, you know, right. his lower mm-hmm. body was not strong enough and so he pedaled the bike they had the, the chain and the gears up, oh. going up and down like this and i said to the lady kelly greens and i said this is cool um i got one question can you find somebody in the philly area yep can you find them by christmas yep hmm. and uh so um so we did the and the bike arrived on on december 20 uh december 24th wow. and it was over in in pa and Lucy, Lucy was her name, and we pull up, and and this wasn't designed. It was a full-on flyer household, and you know they have the flyer flag from their house, yeah. and, and and the, the family comes out. Even the dog comes running out, and they got all flyer. The dog has a flyer T-shirt on. Yeah. <laughs> so the dad was just over the moon, and we show up, and the the bike is there. They take it out of the box, and Lucy Lucy Brooks gets on it. And starts uh, riding for the first time with her brothers and sisters through the neighborhood. Oh, man. Not a dry eye in the place. Right, I was going to say. Uh, Mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, me and Joe Watson and Jimmy Watson went there. We're balling. Like, it was such a special moment. Yeah. And so she got on it, and, you know, she's pushing with her, her, her legs, and Joe's 
pushing her. And she keeps going faster, faster, yeah. faster. Oh, geez, Joe. Well, Joe. So we had to get rid of Joe. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but just to see the clips of her, the the film clips of her riding, and the family has sent updates. You should see her motor now. And so oh, each bike, as I said, is designed for the child, and so it's designed to help them build strength uh, in their legs, obviously their core, and you know they have to put their hands up on them and they can steer and. And the, the bikes are fabulous. And so I just, we made the presentation. I said to Kelly Green from Help Hope Live, I said, I'll call you in the new year. So I gave her a call and I said, okay, this is what the alumni is going to do. We're starting a campaign. Every child deserves a bike. We're going to ask our fans to make a donation. And through these donations and through uh, the alumni's monies that we raise, we're going to donate a bike every month. And uh, so she went to work. And then so last year, after we, we started, our first one was in April. We donated nine bikes. Once again, we're not very good counters. So that was uh, <laughs> nine bikes, and it's just wonderful. And so yeah. we're going to keep that program going through this year and, and beyond because it's fabulous. Yeah. You know, like I said, our alumni is proactive, and we see something, we get her done. It's, it's just awesome. wonderful. That it's is. Awesome. That is. And I might say, too, is, you know, and Riley, you'll know this, um, there's no other professional sports that does what retired hockey players do. The NHL alumni, we have a chapter in every city. We even have one in Seattle, and they just started. They just started. And we still have one in Atlanta. We still have one in Quebec um, with the guys that live there. They have representation. And so there's 32 NHL chapters plus some of the defunct places. Uh, we have chapters. We have boots on the ground doing events. Not, no other professional sports does anything. They don't. They don't even come close to what NHL alumni does. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah. And it's big. It's the same in this city. Yeah. What do the Eagles do? What do the right. Sixers do? What do the Phillies do? Nothing. Yeah. Compared to, uh, I yeah. shouldn't say nothing. Right, they're 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 good. They they do go to event, but it's nothing compared to what our Flyers alumni does, or what Calgary Flames has a wonderful alumni. St. Louis Blues yeah. wonderful alumni. Right. And so yeah. it, the list goes on and on and on. Yes, yeah, some are more active than others, but we have some kick-ass alumni that are really making a difference in the community. Oh, so good, man. So important, right? I mean, that's that's all you got once it's once it's all done is to stay in the community and, and do good. And I've seen a couple of those bikes, man. They're insane. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're mean, cool. They're, they're I mean, cool. It's and it's so happy. A, it's so great when the kid gets on. Oh, right. And yeah. you see the smile on mom and dad. And, yeah. And uh, remember Lucy's parents. Can't believe that you guys are here. I can't believe I can't believe my daughter's telling Joe Watson what to do. <laughs> you know, it's just a you know for yeah, sure. Oh yeah. my goodness, it was what it was day. really really cool. And uh, but anyhow, all these alumni things that we do, they all come through events that we do. Right. Uh, we have a golf tournament. We play a bunch of uh, alumni games, and uh, we have a Friday night fight events, and so on and so on. But what's really neat about all our events is how much fun they are. Yes, they are. Like, how much fun is it, Riley, to sit in the dressing room and to hear all the stories from the different eras going on and yak, 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 yak. It's the best. And And so we raise money and we have fun and we drink some beer. Right. Well, (laughs) exactly. And in your uh, fantasy, your camp that you have with the alumni is so much fun. I'm lucky enough, uh, Brad, always invite me down for the dinner the night before it was over. And you, you talk about a a room full of men 
just raising their hands, asking questions. It's cool how they do it. They put the alumni up from, and you started doing the different errors, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah. Because you know you get Danny B was sure you know, yeah his error guys before that obviously Joe Watson Joe Watson yeah. uh, <laughs> and Billy Barber was there the one time and Bernie Bernie gets up there in front of people and starts talking man yeah. it doesn't even matter what he's saying it's funny just yeah. the way he I delivers know, right? man yeah, he delivery. and but you talk about uh, I've gotten to know a lot of quite a few of the guys that come to that camp and uh even the people around here and they they just look forward to it and they have yeah. such a great time you guys make them feel like they're pros like they're you know and you're with a team it's, yeah, it's, exactly. it's so great what you do yeah what uh even during covid we we were able to to yeah. run it we had a little break there but what we we did the same thing the nhl did we created our own little bubble that's right uh <laughs> we had a hotel the study in in philly and we rented the top two floors and we rented the second floor because there's no bars the open, bar, yeah, so we, we yeah. made our own bar. There you go. Was, and so <laughs> we didn't see anybody because we had the top two floors, no one's allowed on it, and no one was allowed on the second floor. And then the camp was at the U of Penn, yeah. and uh, we rented the rink for the whole weekend. There was nobody else mo- using the rink. Right. And, you know, it cost us extra money, but that's what we had to do to, to, to ensure the safe bubble. And so, you know, actually it ended up being fun because we, we didn't go anywhere. We just sat had a few beers told some stories yeah and it was really funny uh johnny leclerc and billy barber got into it um <laughs> about a game when when billy was coaching and leclerc was playing and it was like remember when and then it ended up uh <laughs> it ended up in a, a frankie Bialois conversation yeah 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 but it was pretty oh, funny earmuffs yeah. yeah yeah it was pretty funny that's awesome yeah yeah. Oh man. Oh, well, that's fun. I, I, I did want to ask you too. Uh, you played for some awesome coaches. Shifting gears here a little bit. Um, Mike Keenan. We've had how many guys on our pod <laughs> played for Mike. Keenan? You got to have. You got to have a, a, a Keenan story or two that can represent well, Keenan. You know, in a uh, he came back for our, uh, the Hall of Fame. Yeah, right. Celebration, and uh, it's the first time he's been back, and and he had a ball. Uh, he really appreciated being back, and and it was funny. There was a couple times that it was just some of the '84 and '85 guys around Howie, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Murray Craven, Lindsey Carson, yeah, and him and Bat so, went at it a lot, oh, a lot, yeah. and uh, <laughs> and we got the barbs were going back and forth pretty good, and you know it's all good. I can understand. Everyone understands why some of the guys from the Keenan Airs hated them, right. Everyone <laughs> understands why a lot of guys liked him because, you know, I, I had no problem with Mike, although I've, I've found out things that happened behind closed doors since, you know, yeah. right. since then. But when you're a player, as you know, Riley, the object is to play. Okay. And if your coach plays you, you like the coach. Right. Exactly. And so back That's in them days, true. Yeah, he true. basically he played 4D. Mark Howe, Brad McCrimmon, Brad Marsh, Doug Crossman. Yeah, and I was one of the four, and so this was long before they started keeping track of ice time. So, <laughs> depending on how many power plays, because I was never on a power play, uh, but depending on how many power plays were in a game, like I'd be playing you know, twenty-four to thirty minutes wow. a game. Yeah, and it was great. And so, ice time usually equals good coach, you right? Like your coach, but I got to say this about Mike is um, my previous coaches to having Mike Keenan, um, it was the very, very old school coaching. 
you're out on the ice for two, three hours, and oh, you just boy. walk through different scenarios on the ice, and it's very boring. Like the coach in Atlanta, Fred Creighton, his nickname is Blue Line Freddy. That's all he ever did between the blue lines. Between the blue lines. Got to go a little harder, boys, between the blue lines. Like practices were like watching paint dry, for heaven's sakes. And so Mike Keenan was the first coach that brought this up-tempo, fast-paced practice. And practices were like 45 minutes yeah. long. And you were someone dead. Yeah. That too, yeah. And you were dead. Um, but I got so much out of his practices that made me a better player. And if you look at the rosters, there's a lot of players that had – their best years under Mike hmm. because he brought this philosophy. Yeah, the energy, and, and right? I, I was not the best skater, as you guys and your listeners know, but I learned to, to, to develop into a quick skater. Like, I didn't need to be winning races up and down the ice. I needed right. to be quick from the front of the net to the corner. Right. Yes. And front of the net to the blue line to take back my ice, which is a modern-day term, which I never heard of that scenario back when we played. That. <laughs> yeah. But so I just had to be quick here and quick here yeah. and strong in the corner and strong in the front. So his practices brought that out into me. And I don't know if you remember Ted Sater. Yes, the assistant yes, coach, I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and two years, I, I got a lot of time for him. And a lot, I credit him with a lot of my success. I was, a, I was a, I don't know, in my mind, a good defenseman. Oh, yeah. But... I became a better defenseman when I was traded to Philadelphia, and it was Ted Sater who, who twigged that first. Brad, you can be better than what you are, and uh, and and then it was Mike Keenan and his practices and the ice time and the confidence that he showed in me. I I, I flourished mm-hmm. under Mike Keenan. Oh, that's so. awesome. Yeah. But he challenged you, man. Yeah, yeah he exactly. challenged you. I remember he pulled me off the we plane in Quebec this first year. And we were picked not to make the playoffs. We ended up winning the league. What do they call that trophy? Oh, what was President's it? trophy? Yeah, is it? What, is that what it was? I don't know. Yeah, probably. Well, that's what if yeah, you're the only trophy you ever want to remember is the Stanley, Stanley Cup. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah I, know. I know. But we get that trophy. I call it the losers' trophy. You get it for winning your your yeah, right. conference. Well, big deal. Where is yeah. it, Marsh? It's in a box somewhere in the basement. <laughs> but. Uh, um, so we had a good year. We won whatever the trophy's called, and then uh, we win the first round, second round, and we're in the third round against uh, the Nordiques. And, you know, that's the famous round where Davey Poole had scored the five-on-three yes. shorthanded. Yes. And uh, um, I was sitting in the box for that one. Me and Stastny were in the box for uh, five minutes slashing penalties. Ooh, we were carving slash. each other. There's a couple <laughs> boys that were good players. Stassi's. Yeah, yeah. He played hard, man. Uh, but anyhow, um, I forget exactly how the how this playoff series went. But uh, we were in Quebec, and uh, we're getting on the plane, and Keenan called me off the plane, and uh, and he he challenged me in Mike Keenan's way. He says, "You quit on me." I said. Frankie Biowall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. you, I did. And, uh, and, and, and so anyhow, he says, you've had a good year. It's the best year of your career, and you're satisfied. You're ready to go home and rest on your laurels and blah, 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 but you quit on me. And I was going back and forth. Not a chance. No way, no way. But he knew what buttons to push. Right, yes. so, what right, right. I, so next time, next practice, I'm in, in talking to the guys. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. Come on. I won't get into all the detail, but yeah. basically – that's what he did time and time and time again. And I think if you probably talked with a lot of the players, everybody had 
that Mike moment where he challenged you. Yeah. And you either went this way yeah. or you went this way. And uh, and so, like I said, looking back, like he knew what he doing. Yeah. He yeah. knew yeah, what he, knew. he was doing. At yep. the time, I thought he was a jerk yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. right. That's what he did, and that's what he did in every team that he went to. Yeah. Well, I think when you challenge someone's work ethic and, and like, you know, you tell someone that they've quit on you, that's like, that's, that's like poking a that, hole in that their That should, in anyway. Their, it should their, poke should a hole in you. In their character, right? piss you off. So, yeah. uh, obviously, you're going to get a response one way or the other, like you said, right? Because, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's pretty, pretty hardcore. Yeah. But, like I said, there's a lot of players that had career years yeah. under, under Mike. And, hey. Went to the finals twice. Yeah. There's a lot of people said that 87 was one of the best playoff series ever. Um, just the way it went back and forth. Yeah. And a lot of people say that that 87 team or that four year stretch at Keenan's team, especially the 87 team, was the best Flyers team. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I love telling that story, but yeah. there's a lot of people that no, think that. It's, yeah. We had it all. We had toughness, we had checking, we had scoring. And uh, and we had a group of uh, leaders in the room. Yeah. Dave Poole was captain. Right. And you had Mark Howe and myself. But you go down the list, we could have 10 captains and yeah. 10 assistant captains. But that's what makes a championship team is the leadership yeah. in the room. And it's just not the guy that has the seat. Right. right. You know, you've been in enough we, dressing rooms. You've been in enough Oh, yeah. We've it's, talked about that a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's the group that you put together. 100%. And uh, it's the... Uh, you know, it's the the respect that you develop in that dressing room right. that makes you a winner or a loser. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I've heard that about Keenan with his practices being high tempo. I think it was Chief that was telling us yeah, about. I, I think uh, he was. Uh, um, but we've heard that a couple times, uh, which I appreciate. I think that's probably one of his assets was understanding the training component right the uh getting guys into proper game shape yeah functional then they go from philly speaking of coaches to toronto yeah and <laughs> at that time it was a huge thrill for me to play for the toronto maple leafs that was my team growing up and once again when i grew up in the 60s there was only six teams yeah right and in canada there was only two teams toronto montreal you cheered for one and hated the other one yeah. so in our marsh household Growing up an hour down the road, hour and a half down the road, we cheered for Toronto and hated the Canadians. I still hate the Canadians. <laughs> but it's a hate because they were the, always the best. Right. Yeah. You yeah. hated them because they were so good. And when you beat them, oh, man, that was like, yeah. a, like a little mini Stanley Cup. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. My first time I played uh, Montreal was in, in the Omni, my first year, 78. Uh, I'll come back to the, my Leaf coaching story. But we beat Montreal. This is uh, so 78. That might have been the year, we can check on it, that might have been the year, like they went one year, they'd only lost nine games or something <laughs> like crazy. that. It was ridiculous. We beat them 2-1. And um, I hit uh, Cornway, the roadrunner, uh, at center ice, like a mid-open ice hit. And it was like, wow. <laughs> I just hit Yvonne Cornway. Yeah. Right? Playing the month, like pinch me. But it also was the first time my dad saw me play. Uh, he drove down from London with a bunch of his buddies. They, they had a, the big van. They had no beers though at the game. Or oh anything. my god! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, That's my uh, boys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, and it's just it's just the the look on on their face when you come out after that he was there with his buddies and we just he just finished watching me in the NHL. But yeah. see, it was a different era back then because there's there wasn't games on TV all the time. Right. Like my first NHL game that I ever ever saw i played in it 
Jeez, it's not wow. now where there's 32 teams and, and, and tickets are available. Right. And let's go and let's go and let's go. You never went to a game. Wow. Never, That's ever. crazy. So anyhow, um, that was uh, the play in Montreal. I was hit in, uh, hit in Cornwall. And I spoke at a banquet not like when we were, I was retired and I told that story. Of, Con- of Corn and Cornway was on the speaker panel too. Oh, <laughs> he says, "Brad, I don't remember any of that. It must have been an accident or something like that." So it was pretty. It was pretty funny. But so I go to Toronto from Philadelphia to Toronto. A lot of people don't know this. They just assume that you were traded. Yeah. But I was released by the, the Flyers in the waiver wire. No way. So during training camp, I thought, you know, at the time, you know, I was. You know, big part of the team and all that kind of stuff and i get a phone call um and says well we left you exposed in the waiver draft and your toronto claims you and it, like it was like what? wow what are you talking wow. about doug solomon come on doug solomon that's what they who they picked up and uh there's a big trivia question yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> what did he I do never i know um so anyhow i go to toronto it's a thrill for me to go to Toronto, but uh, <clears throat> I get there, and at that time Harold Ballard still owned the team; he was still alive, and it was the laughing stock of the NHL. He just ran them on a shoestring budget. He didn't care. He was one of those senile old owners. They're in every sport; yeah, they right, just do everything right. wrong. <laughs> and and uh, so anyhow, uh, I got there. John Brophy, the legendary oh, John wow. Brophy, was I have a bobblehead of Brophy. Yeah, <laughs> he was the coach. What a man he was. Great guy. Tough. Tough. Yeah. And then they, they, they fired him. And uh, then George Armstrong was the coach. Then Gary LaRiviere was the coach first. Then they brought in George Armstrong, who was an icon in Toronto, and said he didn't want to be coach. He doesn't want to be general manager. So Harold made him coach and general manager. <laughs> And, uh, and then he Is that how it works? Yeah. I'm going to start to say yeah, that. Yeah. And he stepped down. They brought in Doug Carpenter. And then Doug Carpenter got fired, and Tom Watt became the head coach. So I was there wow. two Jeez. and a half years at five coaches. Wow. In Toronto. In Toronto. And you That's wonder cool. why that they were in the basement for so many years. And then, uh, you know, when Cliff Fletcher and Pat Quinn, Cliff Fletcher, Chuck's dad, mm-hmm. uh, <coughs> pardon me, um, they brought them into Toronto, and uh, they turned it around. Pat yeah. Burns was a the coach there for a bit as well, and they, they turned around and made the franchise very respectable. But I missed the respectable part. Yeah, yeah. that's too bad. But, uh, but you know, so you go from Toronto, uh, from Philly, they got Pat Croce, we have a whole weight, one of the first teams <laughs> to have a fitness coach. Yeah, right. And we had the the, the weight set up. Nothing like it is today, right, but in yeah. the old it's Coliseum. Like a football team now. Yeah, the old Coliseum here. Like we that had little a, upstairs, a, room. upstairs with the big ship. Yeah. And, and Croce ran us through all the extra workout. And, and I ate it up because I didn't lift a weight ever, ever until I got here to Philadelphia. Wow. So I get to Toronto, old Maple Leaf Gardens, and uh, – and Harold didn't believe in that. And he says, you guys are in last place. Get the first place and I'll buy you some gym equipment. Oh he says, well, God. isn't if you bought us some gym equipment, we could work a little <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So they had, we called it the bunker. So our, the dressing room is historic place, Maple Leaf right. Gardens. And they had a, a basement underneath our dressing room, stairs going down to it. And it was, uh, you know, about the same size as this, this setup that you have here. Painted walls, cinder block walls painted. And they had one 
exercise bike in it remember them old schwinn bikes <laughs> oh that yeah of see? course yeah, yeah that's that's was their training wow equipment. one old schwinn exercise bike in, in in the dressing room and do you have to sign a sheet so who goes yeah yeah you know, exactly like, yeah, like a list, yeah. Right? and uh and so <laughs> the mentality in toronto we were talking about what the dressing room is like in toronto for years had this I'll say loser mentality. They were never any. It started at the top and right. worked down. The players worked hard, but there was always something missing. And and they just in Toronto, they were on a pedestal. I'll never right. forget my first practice, John Brophy practice, and and uh, so we're in the corner and and uh, we're skating at the end. So forwards are in one corner, the other forwards and the other goalies and one the defenseman another. So you, you've lined up this scenario and you skate in laps. Yeah. So this was the mentality of the Toronto Maple Leafs and why they weren't successful. And so one of the defensemen says, Marshy, this is how we do it here. You know, you're new here, so you go out and lead the first lap and then drop back and someone else will lead the next lap. But when we get, we're doing six laps. When we finish the six laps, we'll all be together. Nobody, nobody steps <laughs> out, nobody does this. We all finish together. That's how we do it here. Oh, wow. And I looked at the guy and I said... Frank by Lois. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and took off. And I lapped him. And I said afterwards, this is how I do it. And I was not well thought of or well liked in the After dressing that. room initially. But finally, they'd say, hey, you know, Philadelphia, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe we got Maybe they're working right. a little harder over yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, basically, I said, well, this is how I do it. Right. And, uh, and so, but that's what it takes. And, and I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal, but that's just how I worked. I had right. to work to stay in the league, for heaven's sakes. Yeah. And, but this is what it makes takes to make up a dressing room, that you're not scared of the peer pressure that's put on you by the goddamn losers in the room. Right. Exactly. And it takes somebody and somebody to say then pretty soon the people there's always fence sitters yeah right yeah oh yeah they wait to see if the leadership's strong pretty soon they're with the leadership but if the bad apples are the strongest ones the fence sitters gravitate there 100 percent. and uh and so eventually you know hey we we write it that we made the playoffs that year and didn't win in the playoffs but we made the playoffs yeah uh, it's but that's the dressing room it's it's a it's a funny thing in the makeup of a dress. And same in an office building. Yeah, right. You no. know, in the office, you work with 100 people. You're going to have the cancer in the office, oh, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. A little water cooler chat. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. It's actually hard to believe that a, even, in that, I mean, even in that era, a coach would allow that type of behavior to, to happen, right? I mean, Keenan would never allow that to happen where all six guys are floating through the skate, right? I mean, well, like, you made it look pretty good. They made it so you, your head's... Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm working, working. Smoking mirrors, I yeah, guess, right? I, I mean, a coach yeah. would be smart enough to yeah, tell that he's got to think. think. You would yeah, think. You would well, think. That's like, uh, Brophy, he had so much success coaching. But, like, he would be beside himself coaching in today's league. Oh. And, uh, and so he had trouble back then on how to handle the NHL players. But he had huge success in the minors, huge success in the minors. Really good guys. And if you get to an alumni event with the Maple Leaf alumni that were on Brof's team, the stories are incredible. Oh, it's unbelie- unbelievable. Unbelievable. But anyhow, good guy, real good guy. All he wanted to do was win. Yeah. That's an interesting lesson, though, on, on uh, the philo- or not the philosophy, the psychology of having a guy challenge that and how yeah. and how and how it sort of dis- disrupts their comfort level, but it does challenge them to being better, right? I mean, yeah. it pushes them one way or the other. Yeah. 
which uh, and pretty soon, do. yeah, you know, it's all about ice time. Yeah, and they got to ship up or shape out because yeah. there's other players that'll take their ice time if if they don't step up to the plate or move their attitude, change their attitude. Hmm. Well, uh, Marshy, uh, moving on from that, I, I just wanted to ask you a question. Like, I know you weren't like the only guy in your era not wearing a helmet. But what in the world were you thinking, not wearing a helmet? I <laughs> well, mean, as I tell people, though, is I grew up in the 60s watching NHL, uh, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs on the Hockey Night in Canada. Nobody wore a helmet. Right. Uh, yeah. And that's... so when I made the league in 78, granted, I wore a helmet through junior. Right. I wanted to be like the guys I watched on team, Alan Stanley, Tim Horton, Bobby Bond. I wanted to be like them. I actually wore a helmet. For the first uh, in training camp, and I wore it for the first couple games of the season. But there were always it was always in my, take the helmet off, be a player, be a real player. Be a real yeah. player. And <laughs> back in those days, if you I wore a helmet, like the chirps, right? Yeah, chicken shit. Yeah, yeah right. Just like when the visors came <laughs> yeah, in, yeah, guys started wearing yeah. visors, chicken shit. And so I took it off, and there, and once in a while, I'll be somewhere signing autographs, and the, the, the picture will be there from my first couple Atlanta games. When you have it's a, a win well win well helmet. Yeah, and, uh, and they had the little pointy things at the back. When I wore it, the trainer Norm Mackey, yeah, who, okay, who was yeah, in yeah. Philly, uh-huh. um, uh, he called me. He called me R two D two. That's when that <laughs> movie came out. <laughs> yeah. And so my nickname in Atlanta was R two, and if I talked to Eric Vale, Billy Clement, um, unfortunately, there's a number of guys that have passed. But when I talked to guys from that era. It's R2. They call you R2. R2. That's hilarious. Yeah, Kenny Houston, who just he passed about two years ago, uh, he was he was a funny man, funny man, R2. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but Big Train Vale, uh, he still calls me that, and Billy Clement calls me that. That's Everyone awesome. looks at him like, what are you talking about? Well, you had the sick flow then. Oh, I hey, oh, you yeah, had a nice, flow. Nice thick hair. hair. Yeah, yeah, man. So it was yeah. kind of, you know, yeah. but uh, it, it just still, I mean, I know that was what happened back yeah. then, but it's still... The fact that you are still playing with a vulcanized rubber puck that hurts like shit. But when I played here, I played here, and then, as you'll remember, um, or a lot of Flyer fans remember, when I hit my head against the Bruins. Bork and Neely yeah. hit you there, right? Or I, you beat, guys kind I of beat him to the puck. Right, right. Bam, I love saying that. <laughs> well, uh, the quickness, the quick feet. Yeah, true. Play, you yeah. know? I went in head first to the turnbuckle right at the bench yeah at the visitor's bench right then i fell back and i hit my head on the back of the ice and i was in a pool of blood yeah and uh my dad was with the team then yeah he, that's right he told me that and, story. and this is a you know if you think about it the whole place was quiet like yeah dead quiet and my wife was at home uh pregnant with her second child and um and so she sees what happened and obviously she's worrying and wondering nobody called right away oh. nobody had a dime for the payphone. come on <laughs> so you just take for granted now that you got yeah, the cell yeah, phone right. and boom, boom 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 no one no one called like and there's no payphones down in the tunnel right the right. old spectrum right and so uh the neighbor kid come over and knocked on the door and said mrs marsh uh, my dad says you might need a babysitter <laughs> so yeah. off she went to the she met me at the hospital and uh but it, it it, it, well, it's funny now, but I still have people come on. I thought you were dead. I thought yeah, you were dead. Yeah. And, but I gave it the Hulk Hogan, as I referred to it, and I was <laughs> on the stretcher before I went off. So it would happen at the, around the red line, and they're stretching me off, and, you know, you go around the net, and Zamboni goes yes. open, 
and I gave it the Hulk Hogan yeah. off the crazy, the place went crazy. So I get to the hospital. They know I'm okay. They did all the, the tests. And, okay. And this is funny too, but back then, so I come, the test, if you had a concussion, what's your name? Red Marsh. Uh, what's your phone number? And, you know, if you yeah. remembered your phone, you're good to go. Good to go. Get back out See there, ya. kid. Yeah. And uh, then another question was, uh, what's your wife's name? Some of the guys had trouble with that. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, that, that could be bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, like, that was, it was simple back then. Like, yeah. it's yeah. nothing. And so I go to the hospital. They do all the tests. And I said, I'm hungry. Or I ordered a pizza. And that's, they knew that I was okay because I was hungry right, and had yeah. an appetite. He ate the pizza, and I'm sitting there kind of relaxing. And the doctor comes in and says, uh, you'll never believe this. Ron Hextall just scored. And I said, Frank Bialowis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> go on. Like, I, I'm shaking. I, I'm really messed up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> something happened. Like, uh, I'm definitely conking for sure, right? So anyhow, now... Like there's everyone always says, oh, Hexy score, were you there? No, I was in the hospital. <laughs> and so I was checked out the next day. Uh, I missed like a week. And I was never, I thought I was okay. But looking back, I should have taken a lot of time off. Right. right. And uh, so that's when me and me and Keenan started fighting because my, obviously my ice time, my minutes went down. Right. I wasn't playing. And I mean, we had a, a big, uh, a big FU fight uh, in uh I got off the elevator. He was getting on the elevator. <laughs> and then we it, it just, I don't know what happened, but it blew up. And we were back and forth each other. You're not playing me and this, this. And he's going, well, you're no good anymore. And all this. <laughs> and we're going back and forth. Like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and so once again, I, I kind of challenged him to play me. Yeah. And, uh, and so <clears throat> then that year we lost. I, and I wore a helmet for the rest of the year. We lost in uh, – seven games to Washington in the first round. And uh, so anyhow, I go to Toronto the next year, and I said to Patty, my wife, I says, I'm going to take my helmet off. And she goes, why? And I says, well, I just want to make sure you're okay with it. Because while I had it on, I was never hit with so many cheap shots from behind, high sticks, oh, elbows, really? late hits, and everything. Take the helmet off, I wasn't getting hit anymore. Wow. Interesting. It, it is interesting. And uh, hmm. uh, so anyhow, then I, I, I had it off the, the rest of uh, my career. Your career, yeah. And I, I lasted longer than Doug Solomon did with the Flyers. You did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, no. But, you know, that's simple. You know, you get traded and you always have in the back of your mind, oh, you want to do good. Mel right. Bridgman had a great career in Calgary. He was good here and he, he was real right. strong in Calgary. But as it, you know, you go on and I remember – when I left Toronto, Tom Watt was the coach, and my only goal was to play longer than he coached, and I did. Right. And I did. That's awesome. And uh, he was your college coach. And uh, like nowadays, I don't know if I'd make it because I, I don't go around the cone very nice, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I can't pivot and, and so on and so on. Yeah. So Tom Watt took over, and uh, he said uh, – I got a plan, Marsh. He said, you're not going to play tonight. So I'm a regular with the Leaf defense, like 30 minutes a game. You're not going to play. I want to try some of the younger guys, and I got a plan. Okay, that's fine. That's all good. Well, 40-some games later, I still hadn't played. Oh, boy. Without even an explanation. No way. So I just got in better shape. I'd ride my bike to the Maple Leaf Gardens for practice and ride home. And, and you know, it was, I knew I wasn't going to play. So I 
just accepted the fact. I went into the, the GM at the time, uh, Floyd Smith, who I had just signed a five-year contract with Toronto. Oh, Come on. So I always say Floyd's the smartest GM. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> and, uh, but it was a three-year hockey contract plus a two-year coaching contract. Oh, oh really? And, okay. Uh, <clears throat> so I just went in and asked to be traded, and so I bided my time, didn't say boo, and I was traded to Detroit in, in, in February. So I'm in, I go to the rink to get my stuff, and Tom Watts there. And uh, I said, Tom, whatever, 38, 40 games ago, you said you had a plan. And that's fine if I'm not part of your plan. But you're in last place when you came up with your plan. And guess what? You're still in last place. So your plan didn't work. And I said, one of these days, I said, now is not the time. One of these days, next time I see you, I'm going to ask you what your plan was. And you better have an answer for me. <laughs> and, and so I didn't see him. I'd never seen him. And I saw him. Uh, Calgary Flames had an outdoor game, one of the very first outdoor games, and I was back for it. And Tom was there. And first time I saw him was on the bus. And all, everybody was there. It was a big celebration. Now's not the time to ask him what the hell right, was going Right, So I've never seen him since oh, then. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah. It was, so anyhow. But once again, you take the hand that was dealt you and you, I went to Detroit everything was great in Detroit and I went from Detroit um, and I went to uh, then I ended up in, in Ottawa yeah. but part of the deal was like I said I had a five year contract when I went to another team the coaching clause fell away okay that was just with Toronto so, right so the three and then after my option year Detroit, I'm sorry, after my second year of the contract, the third year of the hockey contract was an option, Detroit had the right to exercise the option, or if they did not want to, I would go back to Toronto. And so I remember I said Cliff Fletcher came in and was really turning things around with Pat Burns and all that. So Cliff drafted me in Atlanta, uh, first round, 78. And so Cliff says, look, Brad, I'll be honest with you, you might be the seventh. You're going to be the seventh, eighth defenseman. And if you play, it'll be six sparingly. I will not send you down, but you'll be here all year. If you can, go find it. Go find a deal, and I'll I'll make it work. So you start calling around, click, calling around, click. <laughs> but that was a year of expansion. Okay, all right. So I said, well, I don't really want to play in Tampa. It's Florida. I got four kids. And I want them to grow up in Canada. Right. So I called. Uh, um, I don't golf, but Kenny Houston. Old buddy from uh, from Atlanta, he has a golf tournament in Chatham. So he has this golf tournament. He calls me up to go to, ah, I hate golf. I just organize the alumni tournament. <laughs> I hate golf. <coughs> Pardon me. But he says, oh, can you come to town? I don't golf. I said, who's going to be there? And he says, this this player, this player, this player. Oh, and John Ferguson's coming. And I said, I'll be there. Well, John Ferguson was the, the uh, director of uh, player uh, personnel for the Ottawa Senators. So I says, I'll be there. And so I go down to the golf tournament, and I look, and I find Fergie. He's on the putting green. I walk up, and it's Mr. Ferguson. Uh, it's Brad Marsh. Oh, Marshy, how you doing? He says, uh, where are you playing next year? And I says, well, that's why I came to this tournament. I want to play in Ottawa. He says, really? You'd come to Ottawa and play? And I said, yep. He says, okay, consider it done. Really? And wow. consider it done. Yeah. yeah, and so then the next trip. day, Ottawa, they had no business getting an NHL franchise. They <laughs> had no money. Bruce Firestone was the owner. They, they had no money. But how the expansion vote went down, from what I understand, is Tim Hortons was bidding. Carmonas, who owned oh, CompuWare yeah. in D- 
Detroit. Yep. And uh, Bruce Firestone uh, was bidding with his Ottawa group. And Phil Esposito and his Japanese investment group was bidding for Tampa. Well, Tim Hortons, they were bidding for to put a rink in Hamilton. They were so confident that they were going to win, they tried to change the payment deal, payment terms of, of the team. And from what, once again, I understand, Carmonis and Illich hated each other from minor hockey. Mr. Illich owned little uh, Caesars, Caesars yeah. and Carmonis owns CompuWare, and they hated each other from minor hockey. And Mr. Illich said, nobody vote for him. I don't want him in the league. So here's two of the richest guys oh, that should God. have been just given a franchise. And Bruce Firestone, who, like I said, really had no money. Well, he had more money than us three. Yeah, together, right, But right. not in NHL terms. And, right. <coughs> and uh, he says, you got the money? Yep, I got it right here. No one ever really asked to, to see it, and so he, he reneged on payments like right out of the oh, gate, but boy. he got a franchise, and then, of course, one went, one, one went to Tampa. And so John Ferguson, Fergie, he, he calls Mel Bridgman, was the GM. And I got oh, wow. traded for all those years before. Yeah. It's kind of funny story. My first NHL fight was against Mel Bridgman, and then I got traded for him, and then he's the GM of the, wow, the team. Wow, that's interesting. And... Uh, Mel calls back and says, uh, we'd love to have you, Marshy, but we can't afford you. What do you mean you can't afford it? My contract was $250,000. 15 wow. years in the league, 15. make 200. Wow. So this is 92, 93. Can't afford 250. So wow. I call Cliff and I says, Ottawa wants me, but they can't afford the contract. And he says, leave it with me. So anyhow, the, the May police paid for my contract for me to be in Ottawa. Oh, no way. So sure. this goes back to you never burn a bridge in hockey. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that come back and kick it. Right so there. when I got traded from Calgary to Philadelphia, if I get on this, oh, Clef, what are you doing? Yeah, rah, right. Rah, 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 rah. Guess what happens to me? Yeah. I'm nowhere for my last year in the NHL. But wow. Because everything was good, you never burn a bridge. That's that is right. so it, true. He made it happen. Yeah, and, beautiful. Uh, so I went and played my last year in Ottawa. Yeah. And that worked out well because you landed up reti retiring there, I believe, right? And then yeah. getting office job and working yeah. the Yeah, I was director of team and business development, a fancy title. Yeah. Um, but it was good because it was a brand new team. Yeah. And so I was involved in their hockey department and I was involved in the business side of things. And so, um, and, and so it was great. It was really good. I ended up staying there for 20 plus years. I started their alumni. I, and, and ran it for the 20-plus years I was there. I started the F Senator's Foundation and wow. all that kind of stuff. So it was, it was good. We, we enjoyed living in Ottawa. I bet. But as I said, there's too many politicians there. It's the capital of Canada. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 yeah, but it was it's a great— It's occupied right now. You, yeah. you left yeah. out Marshy's. Upstairs, yeah. we used to. Eat, I used yeah. to eat lunch there every day uh, yeah. before the well, game. Well, when they built that rink there, yeah, the new uh, rink. The, the owner of the team, Rod Bryden, at the time, because he took over from Bruce Firestone in year one. Oh, jeez. Uh, they they were building the rink and they couldn't find anybody to occupy the place where my restaurant. So he called me and says, "Do you want to go in the restaurant business? I'll give you a hell of a deal." So he gave me a hell of a deal, um, and it was it was a lot of fun. I didn't yeah. know what i was doing <laughs> but it, it was good it was a success and it was the place to be it was and, yeah. uh, great name it was really good yeah. yeah and uh but then when melnick bought the team i forget what year he just put the screws to me and uh -huh. i had 10-year lease and he just litigated me out of it and at the end of the day his lawyers were bigger than my lawyers mm. and his pockets were deeper than my yeah. pockets and so 
Marcy's 1996 to 2009. That was the last year. That was a hell of a party when it was closing. <laughs> oh, it's a nice run, though. Yeah, it was good. And yeah. uh, it, it, it was good. And uh, it's funny because I've stayed in touch with so many of my employees from, from them because we built it. It was just like a hockey dresser. We built it as a family. And, and, and the simple work ethic that I brought to the game, it was brought to the restaurant mm -hmm. and we had so much fun and and i'm in touch you know still talking and when i go back to ottawa i still see a good number of them and and uh it's really neat to, to see them grow up and you know they all got families now yeah. and it's it's really cool we had a very very special thing in ottawa at the at uh well, it was the Palladium, then it was the Corral Center, then it was Scotiabank Place, and now it's, <laughs> it's uh, like, Canadian well, Tire Center. The centers here has changed <laughs> yeah, names yeah, a few yeah, times, yeah. too. Not as many. But it was good. Ottawa is good. And two, of, two of our four kids still still live in Ottawa. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so we, we're up there. Well, when COVID's done, what, we'll be up there often. Was it, wasn't bad scenery uh, serving the lunches either when we went up there. In Ottawa there? Or Marshy's? Yeah. yeah. It was a big part of the sales It was, yeah, it was yeah. yeah. And it's smart. It's yeah. smart. No, it's it good was, marketing. But it was great, yeah. yeah. A lot of the times we would get, he would pop his head in and say what's up to me and Harry. We, yeah. we would go up there for yeah. lunch a lot. But it was yeah. there. Like, I, I cooked at the restaurant. Like oh, that's I great. just wasn't, it was, that was my job at that time. That mm -hmm. was my job. And so I was there seven days a week and open to close and, uh, it was fun. All four of my kids worked there. Oh, uh, I know that. that's yeah. really cool. And uh, you know, my my son, my oldest son, worked there a lot. And so like, he's 18 years old, running the chit board. And you know, we'd do over a thousand meals there before a hockey game, and just pull yeah. out steaks, ribs, chicken. That's when we wanted to go up was yeah. when, when, before a game when yeah. it was getting going. Yeah. You know, everybody's up there. We so had to organize all the all the chits, and you know, I need a burger, I need a steak medium rare, I need a steak well done. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, so, man. And I, I I always cooked the ribs and the steaks. No one touched my ribs. <laughs> <laughs> it's a specialty. Yeah, yeah, it was good. But like I said, we had a lot of fun. Oh, that's great. And the moral of the story: don't burn bridges. Right. Yeah, I mean, hundred yeah, exactly. percent. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. So, uh, Marsh, you've you've obviously seen the game from the the the, the oldest, the rawest part of it, right? I mean, Broad Street Bullies, and then you played in you know seventies, eighties, nineties, and you've seen it evolve till till now. What is your what is your perspective on the way the game has changed and, and where we are today? Well, that's a loaded question. Yep. And, uh you know, thinking how to how to answer the question, and I, I read uh, they asked Jagger the same question. I don't know if you guys saw it. I don't know. He's, he's still playing. Yeah, yeah. he doing. owns the team, so he can still play. Yeah, right. right. And uh, he basically came out right, right out and said he, he doesn't enjoy the modern game. Interesting. Not, yeah, he I didn't said see that. it's not as well. You can Google after. Yeah. It's quite a, a, a good uh, good good article. Um, and I don't think I'll, I'll I'll go that far, but the game has changed. The players are bigger, faster, stronger. But I don't know if the game is as entertaining as it once I was. Agree with that. I agree. And yeah. um, and when you get right down to it, um, sports is entertainment. Right. And um, you know, we were talking yesterday, Riley, mm -hmm. uh, when I was driving up to Washington State Park for a site visit. We'll have to get into that. We, we keep going off in different. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the one observation that I often make is is, um, is about creativity. And that comes from a guy that had no creativity at all. Get to the red line and dump it in. Um, and I, I just, as good as the players are, 
right now, I think they're just ingrained from minor hockey all the way up to play a certain way, a certain system. And, and they're always, you know, there's five minutes left in the game, therefore you have to play this system and and so on. And, and you know, they've learned the game standing behind a pylon waiting for a whistle to blow. Do the drill well, beautiful drill, but there's no creativity there. And uh, there's far too many coaches in novice hockey playing um, they shorten the bench. You know, they play their best nine-year-olds or eight-year-olds. They shorten the bench, and they're playing the one-two-two at nine years old because <coughs> they got to shut down that team. Like, what the hell's that? Yeah. And uh, so back to the question. I don't know if it's as entertaining. It's too predictable uh, nowadays, and, and it, the league drives me crazy. When do people cheer? Yes, when there's a goal scored. Uh, two, when there's a hit. Three when there's a fight, and they're taking the last two of those things. They're trying out. to take yeah. it out. I don't know. Like, I don't know who counts the hits at the game. Like, I watch the game. There wasn't a damn hit. Yeah. Late, but then you read, oh, it's a physical game. There's 47 hits. Where? Yeah. He's bump, bumping shoulders. Bump. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, I, it, it, our teams are so well coached now. Like, they know exactly what to do for 60 minutes. Right. As opposed to. Just go and play. Yeah, and I had an old coach. I, I, I was. I came to the bench. I was 15, playing for the Knights, and uh, I come to the bench, and the coach Bill Long says, "What were you doing there, son?" And I says, "Well, I thought." And he stopped me there, and he says, <laughs> and "He says, do me a favor, quit thinking. You're hurting the team." <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, a simple say, but I use it so many times. It's Hockey so is a true. game of reaction. Yeah. And when you take that split second yeah. to think, and that's where we go back to all these systems that the guys, what drives me crazy is when they play a shift, they come to the bench and they get out their iPad, oh my iPad God. on I the know. bench. I what know. the hell is that? And it drives me further crazy when I see all three coaches looking at the TV on the floor that yeah. they have behind the bench. Yep. It just, it's nonstop. It's too much. Yeah, it's, it, it's too much. And, and uh, So anyhow, the game is good. Um I disagree with the rules and the rules committee every year they come in and they make all these new rules and it's it's good but I think they got to stop tinkering with it and let the players play yeah right I agree yeah. well we had uh, <clears throat> Joel Farabee on and we talked about this exact thing about how coaches can allow their players to be more creative I don't know if you saw the interview with Martin St. Louis there when he took over but he talked about exactly that too much rigid systems and it's taking away creativity. And he was speaking for from his perspective when he played. Um, so he wanted to be, maybe be more um, loose with his players or give them a little more rope to be creative and not, not worry about making these mistakes. They're going to make mistakes irregardless, but not making mistakes because you're overthinking. Yeah. You make a mistake because you, you're, you're trying to make the instinctive play and you make a mistake, it doesn't work. And then, well, it's like you, you know, said, it's almost, you're almost like a robot. You become yeah, a ro- robot. You know, yeah. like... Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, 100% agreed, and, and Joel was talking about that, and, you know, we're referencing, again, the, the St. Louis, but I think I coached for seven years with the Phantoms, and it was so rigid, the structure. It would be like, as soon as they deviate away from that, the team system, it was like, it was, it was like, you have to talk to that guy. Go we'll talk to that guy. Yeah. And it's like, and that's that's hard to play. I mean, as a yeah. player, right? You grow up being a creative player where you're just able to read and react, and then all of a sudden, I understand you have to have some sort of system, but, like, you got to be able to kind of step outside of it and and make your you know and, and choose Basically, your. Basically, though, whoever wins in the game of hockey, whoever wins the battles, yeah, is going to win the game. That's right. And 
for sure. That's, that'll never change. Yeah. And so you can take all your – and they will coordinate whoever wants it the most and all that. Like, the game of hockey is different than the other sports. Yeah. Like, football resets every play. Right. Quarterback, yeah. hut, hut, mm-hmm. hut. You know, if you're painting man on – Peyton Manning, Omaha, Omaha, whatever the hell that <laughs> yeah. is. And then it resets every play. Baseball, every play, the pitcher throws it to the catcher. And every third pitch or every fourth pitch, there's a there's a, a hit, and then you react. Right. Basketball, you got the guy coming up the floor, bouncing and the ball, and his other hand, he's going, well, calling you know what play. that means. Yeah, calling a play. Yeah, calling a play. But it's set, and the guy's walking up. I'm not a big basketball fan. Um, but in hockey, it's a game of reaction. Yeah. All all 18 players that are dressed, 19 if you include the goalie, not the one that sits on the bench, all 19 players contribute, some more than others. But I always use the example, when Brad Marsh has the puck behind the net, my teammates, they, they react to Brad Marsh having the puck off the glass and out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Mark right. Howe has the puck behind the net. You react to Mark Howe having the puck. It's this, it's this. Yeah. Mark threads the needle up and break away. Right. Yeah. And so <laughs> hockey's a game of reaction that happens like this. And once we start thinking, and oh, start yeah. thinking we've got to be in this lane, oh, and I have to have my stick in this passing lane, and all this kind of, the game gets bogged down in detail, and it gets slow. it's slowed down, and, and it becomes boring. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's just... It's funny you brought up the iPad thing. Like uh, even when I was still on the team, you know that, that came out a few years before that. Yeah. And it's like, first of all, half the time you're trying to get the IT guy to fix it because it like something happened yeah, in right. the center anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's more it, it used to happen t- three times a game, and the coaches are flip players. Ah, this thing's not working. Having a guy run out, but the funny thing is, one of the guys said to me, "Like, I wish we'd get rid of these because once in a while, I guess it's okay if it's a timeout. And I don't know if you're looking like at power play stuff, but or something. when the game's going on and you come off the bench and you grab the iPad, you're you're missing everything that's going yeah, on. Yeah, you're not that's paying attention as learn. a player. Like, you can't. You, yeah. you need to be watching yeah, what's exactly. going on. And it was funny, Jake Voracek. You he loves the iPad. Yeah. And I would always laugh at him. Like, why the fuck? Every fucking time you come back to the bench, you're like, oh, I got to see what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this and that. And I'd laugh at him. But the funny thing is, Lappy, Ian LaPierre, was, uh, would always come talk to uh, Jake. So the first few times, he'd come down right after Jake. Probably was on the ice a little bit too long, yeah, a lot right. of breath. Okay. And he'd get back, and Lappy would start going, Jakey, look at it. You know, look at this. And, and uh, I would hit him. I would hit Lappy because Jake would be like, let me get my breath. Hey, give me a minute. So then Lappy started <laughs> coming down, standing there. Waiting, and then Jake be like, "Okay," <laughs> you yeah, show something. but I would even I would say to Lap, I'm like, I know that's what they have to do now, like the co- as a coaches. Dude, yeah, well, the coaches, no, you yeah. don't the co- have the to, coaches but do, yeah. the coaches have him doing that right, as, course, as the yeah. assistant. And um, you know, it's like he even was like, you know, they're not watching the game, you know, like when it's going on. I, I like I said, I think there's maybe a couple times where you can grab yeah. it, maybe a time it's too out, much of a distraction, but it is a distraction. Yeah. I'd like, I'm reaching. just thinking when you're telling that story, some of the coaches I'd have, like they'd come down and just whisper in the ear, like, you're no fucking good. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you don't need any analytics. Right, right. Right. No, that's exactly you're no good. It, right. And, oh my uh, God. And you know, I remember, that's great. Uh, <laughs> back to Freddie Creighton, blue line, Freddie, I remember my first year. So this was a learning experience. We play in Pittsburgh in the old igloo. And uh, I'm, I step out from uh, behind the net, and I try to pass the puck up through the middle. Um, I forget who one of the goal scorers intercepted and scored, win the game. 
So, you know, everyone's going out after the game. I'm I'm down in the dumps. This is my first year, first, I don't know, 20 games, and I obviously I gave it away. I didn't need a video to tell me. Right. right. Yeah. It was yeah. a tape-to-tape yeah. pass. Yeah. And, Great pass. Yeah. You snapped it. Yeah. And so, once again, I, I – I get off the elevator and, and Freddie Creighton's getting on or vice versa. And he goes, what are you doing here? I go, ah, oh, well, it's a tough game. I feel bad, you know. And he says, well, your teammates are all out having a beer, getting something to eat. Get your ass over there and join them. Oh, I don't know. I feel bad. He says, look, you're going to have a long NHL career. If you're going to get this worked up every time you make a mistake, you'll go nowhere. Learn from it. You made a bad pass. And he joked. It was right, right on his tape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, it, it's you. It was on you. The loss is on you. But learn from it. Right, now, right. Get over there and get out with your teammates. Lesson learned. Right, like, 100%, like, right? Like, yeah. You, I don't need to look Simple at communication. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, so, a- anyhow, there's all kinds of lessons like that that can be learned. Keenan pulled me off the, off the plane yeah. and so on yeah. and so on. I could go on and on about coaches. You don't get that in an iPad. Right, Mm-mm. and I think the iPad and the analytics have become a crutch, and th- they're important in this day and age. You don't I think we all can agree on that? But it's replaced communication. Yeah, it's replaced the obvious. Like, what were you thinking about? Yeah, instead of trying to soothe the situation, or maybe if you're in this position, right, right. This position, Justify anything, yeah. Just well, get the job that's, done. A, that's that's a great point, Marshy. Because I I remember we there was a coach here when I when I was still here, and uh, he just he was if a mistake happened on the ice, and I don't even mean you made the mistake. I mean the puck hit the board and went the way it would not normally go. He was losing his mind, yeah. And it's your fault. And in my head, of course, I'm not saying anything. I'm the pigeon equipment guy, but I'm just like. Dude, it's a fast game. Shit like that happens. Yeah. You can't expect the guy to know that's going to hit. You know, and, and and they would, you know, if you, I don't know if you ever had a coach like that where there's nothing you can do in some situations. Yeah. Like you said, this game's fast. You're supposed to be here. You're supposed to be there. Just get it done. You yeah. know, and, and crazy things happen. Bounces oh, sure. happen. I mean, we see it every every game you watch. That's what you do after you make that mistake. Exactly. 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 How you react to it. Exactly. But we all had teammates good ones that make the same mistake you did nothing happens to them yeah, yeah. yeah right no, when you're doing it happens to <laughs> yeah. you yeah. what the yeah. hell are you thinking yeah. about yeah. 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 yeah marcia switch gears um to uh your your baby um the warriors um i mean can't say enough good things about what you've done there and the guys are all great guys if you want to talk about that a little bit well yeah the warrior program i think everybody knows is, it started with a learn to skate um back in 2018 and then we had a practice at the wells fargo center um and then there was the outdoor game against pittsburgh and uh we were the granted the legacy grant from the i didn't i wasn't aware that every time there's an outdoor game the nhl and the host team they uh they have a legacy grant that they present to a charity of some sort so um you know, they, we were asked to put some suggestions forward, and there's great suggestions. You know, Children's Hospital and and um, and the Ron McDonald House, I think, were some. And, you know, there's all kind. There's great suggestions, and at the end of the day, um, the Warriors got 
the, the legacy grant, if you will, and we took that money. Um, and there was myself and, and, and Rob and, and Jason Pentesta, who we all worked in the right. And uh, so we we're pretty happy that the, the Warriors were were, uh, were selected. And we took that money and bought a year's worth of ice, and bought our first uniforms. And uh, uh, and you know. Not to sound corn, but then the rest is history. You right, know, right. Continue. What's great about it is is they're a great group. They've bought into the program, and the program is more than hockey. It yes. is it is developed into uh, something that encompasses the program encompasses the family. That, yes. That's what it's all about. It's the family. It's the wives. It's the kids. It's these guys are looking out for each other. Like we have a real team. Yeah, there's some co- personalities in there, which is going to happen when you have. We got eighty plus yeah. players now. It's You're happen, up to but, eighty, God. But the guys look out for the guys, right? And the program is there. Um, and then we, you know, we like to say we're we're improving lives through the sport of hockey. Right. Sure, hundred uh, um, percent. The dressing room is a powerful thing. We've talked about it a little bit, and yeah. you guys have been in a lot yeah, of dressing like therapy. Oh, it's a powerful thing, and, and and to get out on the ice and sweat, and then to sit in the dressing room afterwards and bust your chops, yes. and, yeah, and and so on. These guys now have someone that, that understands them, what and they can talk about, and and you know they just. You don't talk about what they experience with your neighbor yeah. in suburbia. Right. You know, and so right. it's just all like-minded people and busting chops. And, and sports is so great. Team sports is so great. And, uh, you know, we, we spill out of the dress room, and quite often we have a tailgate party. Yeah. And barbecues come out and coolers come out and the playpens come out. The kids are running around playing road hockey. And mm-hmm. it's just a, a wonderful, wonderful atmosphere. And, uh uh, it's been a lot of fun, and we got it. Like I said, we got a great group, and we just keep getting uh, better and better and bigger and stronger. And because of the work and effort we put into it, we have become one of the better, if not the best, in my opinion, of right. course, warrior programs. Oh and, yeah, uh, um, and it's everyone hates us. In the warrior world, it sounds yeah. about right. Well, when you win all three tiers of a national yeah. championship, yeah. that might uh, yeah. that but, might do it. But it's cool. We've helped a lot of other warrior programs get yeah. started. I would imagine you're like the model. Yeah, teams like, would like to go. Like we're not men's hockey. Right, we're not a men's yeah. hockey team. Like we have a we have a player manual. We have a code of conduct. Everybody has to sign it. Uh, the players police it themselves. We have you know strict policies. Right, and when you when you run an organization, you have to have rules and regulations. And uh, but anyhow, it's great. The, the wives are great. The players are great. The wives have a group that they, they get together and talk about the husbands. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Bitch, complain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's great. And you know what? We we've got players that have never played before. Yeah. We've got players that haven't played since they're a kid. And uh, and so we we have. Three, almost four teams of different tiered abilities. Right. And um, it's and the guys that can't play or haven't played much, they're just sponges. They're just eating it up. Right. And it's really great to see their development. And, and so the program's growing. Uh, we do fundraising, and uh, um, our alumni is a big supporter of, of the Warrior program through – guys coming out to, to coach and be at practice and get to know the guys to, to financially. So a lot of the money right. we raise goes right to the Warrior program. And uh, so, which brings us to uh, uh, the alumni's brand new event, uh, 
but it's a fundraiser for the Warriors and the YMCA of Bucks County, which has an incredible veterans program. Uh, the Veterans Wellness in it, Wellness Initiative is what it's called. Okay. And so we brought them in to, to partner. And so anyhow, the event is a walk, run, and stroll. It's at Washington Crossings Park on April 23rd. Uh, it's been two-plus years in the making. We started talking about this a long time ago. And the whole idea initially was to do a major event. Um, the alumni do a major event with and for the Warriors to uh, to not put them on the map, but to create awareness for the program, what we do. But we couldn't do it, one, because we couldn't find the right location, and two, because of COVID. Right. And so now we have the right location because we wanted a, an historic venue. Yeah. And so we're at where our start-finish line for the walk, run, and stroll is right where Washington and his troops slept. And our oh. running route is the exact route where Washington and his uh, troops marched to cross the Delaware. And so it's really cool, cool. Uh, and it's a fun. So, you know, we don't really have to raise awareness for the program because it's become. It's, I was going to say that. Yeah, and but it's well known. We would like people to come out to to now meet the players right. and see right. the difference and hear the difference that this program has made. And so we're going to have lots of uh, alumni there. Uh, a lot of a lot of the Warriors will be there, and uh, a lot of veterans will be there. And uh, so it's going to be a great day at Washington Crossings Park. And, uh, That's awesome. You know, you can sign up. Just go to the alumni website, flyersalumni.net. There it is. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Uh, one of the things I think anyone in hockey, even a pigeon like me being an equipment guy, the, the thing I miss most is like being in the locker room before practice, after practice, talking, having fun. And I think it must be huge for the, these guys, even if they didn't play hockey before, just to be a, around a group of people that have been through things that we you guys have been through a lot playing your sport, but nothing compared yeah, to what these similar, guys have done. A lot of similar stories, uh, life after hockey. Uh, in retirement and life after uh, deployment or retirement from yeah, the military. Right. Um, you know, the, uh, the, the divorce rate is pretty similar. Uh, the jobless, the number of jobs one would have is pretty similar. Yep, right. Bankruptcy problems, mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, mental health. Yeah. So many similarities between hockey, the hockey players. And uh, when I was in auto, we did a lot with the military up there and, uh, we actually did a lot of speaking with each other, and uh, it's mind-boggling how similar. Oh yeah, our bodies are banged up. Their bodies are banged yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, right. Identity yeah. crisis too. I feel like they come back, and they're trying to reinvent themselves or find purpose. A lot of players, like their their ego has been in, embodied yeah. in playing for yeah. so long. That all of a sudden, it's like, well, how do I fit in society? How do I connect and find community? Yeah. And I think that's what you guys provide essentially yeah. is community connection and yeah the locker room and one team. of the things that's happened is because the program has 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 become so uh, so strong and so recognizable um we're getting sponsors out of, we don't even know them and they call yeah. up, hey we saw about we heard about the program we saw the program how can we get involved and so uh toyota is one of our biggest sponsors as well uh, not as big as the alumni but a big sponsor <laughs> yeah. very appreciative of, Just of, what, of their support Paul yep. Moore and the Toyota group but they saw us on they they started seeing 
they follow the Flyers alumni because they're supportive of us. So they started seeing on the Twitter all this Warrior stuff, all this Warrior stuff. Yeah. They, they called me. Yeah. They called us and said, uh, we want to get involved. And That's so awesome. Their, their logo's on the jerseys. You know, they yeah. They bought yeah. set of jerseys. Mm-hmm. It's great. And then, uh, but through that, um, we have mental health set up, uh, behavioral health, I should say, set up for all the players. Uh, we have a partnership with Array. Uh, it's a phone call away. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And they're talking. Uh, it's available to their wives. It's available to their kids. Um, and uh, we have a number of players that are utilizing that. So it's wonderful. We just uh, finalizing a process with uh, Newman University. Uh, just because Newman, they bought a foursome in our alumni golf tournament. And they saw all the Warriors there, and they said, what, what is this here? Yeah. And because uh, we always bring all the Warriors to all the alumni events, and uh, they work the raffle tables, and they volunteer, and they, and they play, of course. And they what's all this stuff? And so from a simple connection of seeing them with us, uh, we have a continuing education program set up, and we're, the Warriors are going to be able to go to school, get a diploma, uh, go to school, graduate, and get a diploma. And it's it's unbelievable well, all yeah, this stuff right. is coming. That's great. I said I said to uh, I, I said to Newman when we were in a meeting. I says, you don't know what you're getting into. I can't wait for the first warrior to graduate. We're going to take over your party. <laughs> that's <laughs> the right. Biggest tailgate party that you've ever ever oh. seen. And they're going, oh, we love it. We love that's it. That's so, great. Anyhow, it's going to be good. And uh, um, our first guy, I think he started already. But uh, anyhow, so it, all these good things are coming out of yeah. this program, and and it's coming out of it because of um, of how these guys have handled themselves. Yeah. Right. I mean, let's face it. We started to learn to skate, and Riley, you've been to the, the practices, the coach. Mm-hmm. If there are a bunch of wahoos, like right, like this program has died long ago. Yeah. yeah. Right. But it's how they've embraced the program and how they've embraced the Flyers' involvement, how they've embraced the alumni and the mm-hmm. alumni's involvement, the, what has made this program what it yeah. is. Right. Is they realize that this is cool. Yeah. And they they work hard, they yeah. work hard at being a warrior. Yeah. Right. Like They're, you, proud. Were, They're proud. They're proud. Yes. Man. Just like yeah. you worked hard representing the Flyers yeah. and myself as, as well. Like right. You wore that crest. You were we're proud of it. 100%. And you can tell they are. Yeah, they are. You, you, you can tell that they are. Yeah. Uh, we've become friends with a lot of your yeah. a lot of your guys and just a bunch of beauties. It's your just... fault that we've lost some games. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. They come in all of a sudden. These damn skates are no good. Jesus, <laughs> Murphy. Bad sharpening. Yeah. Bad, yeah. bad sharpening. I fixed all yeah. the skates. Yeah. Yeah. Just... Hey, listen, there's one thing I can't fix. Devin Riccio, one of your captains. With big his hands big or... Dev. Wow. He was a sharpshooter. <laughs> this guy, Dev, hit the net. I've watched you... Actually, he did score the last game yeah, I was yeah. at, so I got to yeah. take that back. But no, I'm I'm yeah. kidding around with Dev. But uh, love all the guys and Duff's yeah. here all the time. A lot of a lot of the guys come over, and we end up sitting here for an hour, hour and a half. I'm supposed to be working, yeah, and uh, shooting the shit. But I, you know, Riley and I love you guys, and you've done a hell of a job, man. Yeah. It, yeah. And it is more than I can't believe. I mean, I can believe, but it's it's amazing how popular and how people know about this program. Yeah, it's and it's map. awesome. It's it's great to see. We're, we're at games. And people know who they are, yeah. and it's awesome. It's awesome yeah. to see. Yeah, it, it, it's it's great. And then the, the East Coast, no, 
what is it called? The Federal League. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, they even <laughs> trying to get him, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, they needed players. So Galanos went, didn't he? Galanos went and, and the Phil. Oh, Phil. Phil, 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 Phil yeah, Phil. Scoop him up? Yeah, or was it, yeah, yeah or I don't know. He signed with Delaware. Different team. He signed with Delaware. Yeah, so, and, like, that's cool. Like, Yeah, it's really cool. The warrior player gets called up. Play pro. It's kind of cool. It is cool. I told Foster, keep your head. Stay cool, man. I can just see. He's lucky I didn't sign it. with Big Mac. That would have went head oh, to head because no. that's who we were going to play against. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Dave McIsaac tried to sign me to play for, uh, what's the name of the team? Uh, Danbury. D- Danbury uh, Hattricks. Not, oh. not trash. No, not trash. Hat- no. Hattricks. And yeah, we would have yeah. played against the Delaware but team for the one that. Little Galanos could fly, boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can he skate? Yeah. He's a good little player. Yeah. Um, really we were busting his chops on the alumni showdown we had in the summer where. Our alumni played one period against each of the three years. Yes, players. yes. because we said first shift. Oh, yeah. First, first shift. Joe, Joe Watson, right? If yeah. anybody goes around Joe, you're dead. And oh, first that's the first thing he, goes, he did. He goes around Joe. Joe looked like it turned sideways. <laughs> that was like 15 <laughs> seconds in, wasn't it? Like, oh, yeah, it was right yeah. away. Yeah. But, uh, oh, I was, was on the beautiful. bench, and he just got and the puck through right down. Yeah. Um, Joe hadn't pivoted by the time the puck was in the net. Wow, poor Joe. He's yeah. only, like you said, he's almost 80 years old. Yeah. Good yeah. for him to be out there. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, well, Brad, we appreciate you hopping on. Before we let you go, I know you got a busy day ahead. Um, Andrew Maynard told us not for you, uh, for us not to ask you about Wayne Gretzky. But since he asked that, we got to well, ask you about Wayne Gretzky. The, the first question he told you to ask, you well, had it all was, wrong. Yeah. Now, I always joke about Wayne Gretzky because – when you play hockey, the object's to win. Of right. He has two Stanley Cups at my expense. Yeah. And gotcha. 85 and 87. And so I often I often joke that I hate Wayne Gretzky and the Marsh family hates Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. No. When, I, when I speak up in Canada, or when I used to speak, I always yeah. you know, come out and say, Make a joke. I hate Wayne Gretzky. And it's like... Yeah. I'll explain why. I, yeah, yeah. He has two cups. But... Um, yeah, and and like my mom hated him, and my because she got two rings that Bradley should have had. Right, 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 of course. Right, of course. Yeah, and so my mom, but just, once again, I say hate. That's a strong word. Right, but you know what I mean. I know exactly yeah. what you mean. She's got something that she wanted. Her, yeah. Her boy yes. Have. Yes. And so we always would joke about that and stuff. But I'll tell you, with Wayne Gretzky, if some of the modern day players had his, uh, his, even though he was. The best, one of the best, depending on how old the person is, you ask that question. To right, could sure. How could be Bobby Orr, right. Wayne Gretzky. Um, one of the best, most talented, gifted, but he wanted to win. Yeah. He, he was competitive like no, like nobody's business. Yeah, and of course. He wanted to score every game. He wanted to be the guy every game. He wanted to be the star every game. He wanted to dominate every game. And... I got nothing. Like, NHL was good. He is such a good spokesman for the league. Right. Look at the other leagues. They're spokesmen. They're all a bunch of pieces of crap. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But but we're lucky. Wayne Gretzky. Maryland. Oh, yeah. Maryland Lemieux. Oh, but, but, you know, Sidney Crosby. Oh, he whines too much. Yeah, you can't you can't get a better kid than yeah him. I know he's yeah. a pro on and off the ice. Bobby he's Orr represents same thing. like our superstars. Yeah. are all salt of the earth. Hundred percent. And Wayne Gretzky, he's he just like I joke like yeah, goddamn Wayne. I <laughs> yeah. you got your bling, man. You got, yeah, you yeah. got the bling. <laughs> and uh, but he changed the way you know he did that little turn up at the yeah. Oh right, yeah, yeah. yeah. No Gretzky I, delay. Oh, I was watching a game the other day and the analysis person. Oh, they kind of stand up, take the ice and. I didn't remember coaches. Stand up on him. Stand like, 
how the hell do you stand up on Wayne Gretzky? Right, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like it's 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 crazy. I will say this: I gotta throw, I gotta pump your tires because my old man uh, Sudsy said in that '87 finals, which was amazing. Um, he said you were hands down the best D man uh, in that in that run. He said you were amazing. Yeah, I had. Well, thank you. Uh, Old Sudsy, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. As I said, Keenan brought the best out of him, right? I, I just love playing it. And there's a an '85. You you can see it in, in, in uh, game five. We every game was close, right? Game five got out of hand, and Glenn Sather, um, you know how hard is it to coach that team? <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, Gretzky, Messier, Curry. Uh, yeah. Uh, cough, why don't you? Yeah, go cough. Go? You want to go? Okay. You know. Then, <laughs> so this, <clears throat> the score got out of hand, and I, I forget what it is, 7-3 or something, 7-2. And Brian Lewis was refereeing. He just keep, kept giving us penalties. And, like, come on. And then there was a 5-on-3, and he still puts out his top guys, and the game's out of reach. Yeah. So uh, I end up in a fight with Don Jackson, and I, I, I did pretty good. And, and like he's cut, and he's bleeding. And I rip his stuff off. I'm throwing all his stuff in the crowd. His jersey in the crowd. <laughs> his gloves are in the crowd. I'm throwing them all in the crowd, and we're going, Frankie Bile. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so anyhow, funny. The two funny twists to that is, so we're going back and forth, yelling and screaming, and we we're swearing and all that. And I turn around and and. My parents had they had come. They were in a position to come to to the games, and uh, um, and so anyhow, they were at the. They weren't at all the games, but they were at a previous game in Edmonton, and the guards. Oh, that's yeah, oh, yeah. Mrs. Mrs. Marsh. Oh, yeah. you know, great to see you. And all. So they moved them down to better seats, like they're, they're behind the bench. And I'm going. Blah, 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 blah. And I turn around, and there's my mom. Oh, I've never sworn. I don't yeah, swear. I don't pretty, swear much. Any right? That never in front of my mother. <laughs> and she's looking at me like Bradley. <laughs> Bradley. <laughs> yeah. Oh my! I'll never forget that. But anyhow. Oh, so funny. fast forward years later, I'm I'm retired in Ottawa, living on Shaughnessy Crescent, and. Uh, Don Jackson's hired as the assistant coach, and he's living on the other side of, of Shaughnessy Crescent. So I'd see him. I never brought it up because like, it's a hockey. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Well, right. But, you know, my, my boys, they had seen the clip of me beating him up and him bleeding and throwing, throwing stuff in the crowd and all this kind of stuff. And and, uh, <laughs> and then they've heard, you know, me talk about it, especially after a few, few yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Eric, my oldest, he tells it real funny. So he would go to the bus stop every day and he'd be standing there and Don Jackson's kids would, would go to the bus stop and every day my, my son would look at him and say, my dad beat up you. Uh, <laughs> that's so good. A little street credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. But anyhow, hockey's such a, oh, like yeah, it's right? such a, a, a small world. It yeah, is. It's a big it world, but it's it such is. a Right. Don Jackson's a great guy in the heat of the minute. I thought he was a knob. And I'm sure yeah. he thought I was a knob <laughs> right. in yeah. the heat of the minute. But well, great guy. Yeah. Great guy. kind of how it used to be. Right. You know, yeah, exactly. so he's friendly. He's compete, you know, he's like you, wanna, yeah. you hated yeah. the other team. Drink yeah. a couple pops after. Yeah, and we're all after good. it's, yeah. you know, it is what it is. Yeah. But, um, Marcy, we do thank you for your time. Yeah, You're a busy, a busy you. man. You have a lot going on. And, um, like we said, tremendous job with the alumni, Flyers alumni. Yeah. And, um, now Come on out worries. to walk, run, and stroll. Yes. We're coming. April I'll be there. We'll be there. We'll be there. 100%. Thanks, Marshy. We appreciate it, man. Thank you, guys. Yes, sir. That episode was brought to you by our friends at fansaffiliate.com.
the ultimate fan experience, all Philly sports. Looking forward to the big Nashville trip, Nast. Oh my God, it's coming close. It's uh, it's very close, and I hope you're getting your sleep now. Oh man, I am resting up. Do it. There's no excuses. Up. No excuses, man. <laughs> I'm taking yeah. your room key from you. I might handcuff you to me. The only problem is you're way stronger, and you can just that. pick me up. Fuck 85, Nast. Right in your weight class. <laughs> In your weight class, you can toss me around, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't know about that, buddy. But uh, looking forward to it. Should be a great time again. You know, it was 500 plus Flyer fans. That was yes. you know, a couple months ago. Who knows where that's at uh, right now? I don't know. Maybe the Flyers uh, record may, may affect that. But uh, well, at least we got 500, and that's uh, and that's yep. a solid crew. So looking Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait, man. They do a great job. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, so. Fansofphilly.com. And Check them out. a big thanks to the man, president of the Flyers alumni, coach of the Philadelphia Flyers Warriors, disabled veteran hockey team, Mr. Brad Marsh. He's uh, he's amazing, man. I he he has so much on his plate every day. I, I, I don't know how, I don't he, know does how he does it. Yeah, I know. I hear you. Uh, yeah, I know. He's done an amazing job. I mean, since he's been back in Philly for it's been some time now and 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 taking control of the Flyers alumni, the amount of effort he puts into that, the events. I mean, again, it's juggling a lot of balls, chasing after people, sponsors, gluing it all together, probably chasing after the Flyers alumni is probably the hardest part, getting responses, yeah. <laughs> getting guys down in some of these events. But, um, you know, he's got a heart of gold. Again, the, that Warriors program is insane. It's amazing, man. All off. the friends we've made from that is is uh, awesome. Just, just a great group of guys, man. Yeah. No, absolutely. So it was nice to reconnect with him. He is probably the guy I see the most with Flyers alumni for obvious reasons. Um, he's at every Flyers game and obviously just floating around the rink there. So it was nice to connect with them in a different setting and, you know, just have a, a face-to-face conversation around some of his his highlights and, his, and, and some of his experiences he's had over the years. Yeah, it was, uh, I you know, I, I was obviously a kid when he was playing here, so I've known him for a while but i know we brought up the uh time where he was hit by neely and bork you know clean hit but fell and hit his head my dad said it was a scary situation man i I was i was shocked that he went back to not wearing a helmet yeah i know right i mean it's just marsh it's old school way of thinking i guess yeah man i get it yeah, I get it. I mean, I, I had an eye surgery in Columbus Blue Jackets training camp. They told me to wear a visor and I couldn't wait to get the visor off. And yeah. it was just like, you know, a, a person with common sense and some rational thinking skills have been like, are you crazy? Like, yeah, right. Got eye surgery, dude. Like, yeah, cover well, that thing up. And like, no. What am I telling you in men's league? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's insane. Yeah. You don't have a visor on. I don't know. I should you and Rocker, you and Dave Rockhill want to be the toughest guys in the league. So you get no Visey and Foxy. Yeah. I don't think about it being tough now. I think it's just <laughs> I like, I'm just so used to like not having it. And it's like, you know, I battle my ass off to have the luxury to not have that. But yeah. I understand. I mean, freak things happen. I should probably wear a full cage, honestly, because I know oh, I should too. It, you know, if it's something's coming up, it's going to, it, it's going to wreck my teeth or, you know, something something very obvious but uh you know just what it is but uh i know man. old school hockey nast yeah, yeah i know i know you know definitely is 
But uh, yeah, appreciate Brad Marsh for hopping on. Awesome dude. Amazing stuff he's doing for uh, for the community and, and Flyers alumni and Warriors. Appreciate you. And um, that's a wrap, Nast. That's a wrap, brother. Three in the books. 63. Be sure, be sure to tune in next week for episode 64. Until then, knuckleheads, stay safe. See you, knuckleheads. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.